Hello there, welcome. My name is Neville D'Angelo. Today's topic is burning your bridges. Dr. Yearwood will be doing us the honors. He's in town to sing for a wedding. And we wanted to know why would anyone want to be burning his or her bridges? Ladies and gentlemen, you are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky little problems. We play a few games, too, and attract the remarkable characters of three classic books. Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again. All of which you can get in your favorite format from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. you're at the University of Maryland. Can you share with our audience what you do there? Um, My job is twofold. The primary aspect of my job is to um, teach um, undergrad courses in geography, but not all courses. My specialization is in physical geography, and so a number of the courses that I teach um, have to do with um, aspects of physical geography such as erosion, weathering, climate, earthquakes, volcanoes, and issues like that. And the the general philosophy is that if I could attract people to the majors by giving them an appreciation of and for those topics, um, that's one of my prim- primary goals. And the other aspect of my job is to do some administration where I um help to design some courses i help to teach what we have are called um graduate teaching assistants those are phd students i teach them how to run courses and how to become more effective um teachers once they graduate and they become involved in the world of academia when they once they get out of the university of maryland mm. so so those are the twofold things that i do and um and so um, that's what I do. So I'm I'm officially a lecturer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the University of Maryland. Right. I remember being totally surprised that geography is still a field of uh, of interest these days. And I think whether it was you or someone else began to tell me how important geography is. <laughs> yeah, for instance, I started, some students come to the class not right. knowing exactly what to expect. Right. They expect to hear, where is Afghanistan? Right. Where is England and so on? And I start straight off with talking about traffic congestion, what causes it and what we can do to fix it mm-hmm. or ease it on our streets. And they, you can see the looks of, of, of surprise. But then when I begin to explain to them from a scientific point of view mm-hmm. that issue and, and the solutions, 
And then they warm to the idea that geography is a lot more yeah. than just the location <laughs> of places. In fact, I don't do that. Right. I, I don't do that at all. You don't do that anymore. No, so. But you're also a singer. So tell me how you, how you put these two together. You're actually singing at a wedding, aren't you? Yes, I am. Just, um, just tell us about And it's interesting that you ask that because geography doesn't have a lot to do with my singing, but <laughs> right. my job does. Really? Yes, because I am a people person. I, that's why I am a teacher. And I'm not particularly shy. I love going in front of students and explaining things. I love the interaction. And... Part of that sh lack of shyness is because over the years, um, I, I, I've, I've been a singer, and in the beginning when I started to sing, I was terribly mm -hmm. self-conscious. I was nervous. I used to be shaking. I remember that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to face my fears, and I had to overcome mm -hmm. those nerves and and sing. Mm -hmm. Likewise, I'm never nervous about teaching because I'm in charge. <laughs> and so I've learned that if I'm in charge of the singing, if I'm prepared, if everything is right, I am not nervous. I'm eager to go onto the stage and do my thing. Mm -hmm. And likewise with the teaching, because I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. And so, um, <laughs> and also, being in charge. Yeah, being in charge. <laughs> and also, I teach very large classes, and right. singing has helped me to project my voice. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've taught classes of over 300 students, 318 in a room. Mm -hmm. And they hear me because I demand that they're quiet. Mm -hmm. And then I relax, drop my shoulders, and I project my voice. Mm -hmm. And so the singing has certainly helped oh. in, in, in the diction and in the delivery of what I want to say. So, you know, and my throat is never tired. Um, I'm fine. So there is there is that connection. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, when we are back, we will talk some more about burning bridges and we'll learn as well more about Dr. Keith Yearwood. For less than the cost of a cup of coffee, at a click, you can have the rat and the alley cat. Exactly how you get what you want. The seven steps to spend the rat and the alley available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble for your digital devices. Just click and pick. Are you the rat or are you the alley cat? The rat and the alley cat. A click away from your dream. Pick it up. Well, we're, we're back with Dr. Yearwood. I, I should tell the audience that you're a cook as well. He actually showed me how to make roti. Roti is an Indian kind of... How would you describe it's roti? It's a bread. It's a flat... It's, it's a flat bread. Leavened bread. It's a leavened bread. Yes. Flat. Right. But it's different from... Um, what what do we call... It looks a bit like a burrito, a yeah, soft burrito, it's but it's different. Same. Not yeah, the same. Not the same. Well, thanks for teaching me how to do that. I, I grew up eating it, but never knew how to cook it. And and so, uh, do you only cook roti, or do you cook a lot? I cook a lot of things because it's cheaper. Uh huh. I uh -huh. save a lot of money, and I'm also health conscious, so I know what I'm putting in it. So. <laughs> you know what you're putting in yeah, it. Yeah, so. Well, I'm glad you're a good cook. Um, I I haven't found a guest on my show that hasn't multifaceted. There's so much to most of us. I'm personally one of those people that don't like being put in, in a box 
when people know you to be one thing, they think you're only that one thing and and not another. And I find that it's rarely true um, of of anyone. But our topic today is burning bridges. So tell us about about that. I was fascinated with a statement I read many many years ago, and it said something that was totally the opposite of what we've been told. You know, we're told, don't burn your bridges behind you because you might have to, you might need them sometime. Right. But I read something that said, burn your bridges behind you because you won't be tempted to go back over. You have to be forced, you'll be, you will be forced to keep going forward. Hmm. And that mirrors some of the decisions I made in my life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make the decisions to keep going forward simply because I was seeking adventure. Mm-hmm. There was a point in my life when I was a teacher mm-hmm. in the British Virgin Islands, and I was good at it, and they needed me, and I was, you know, doing all right. But I had reached a point where I was totally fed up. I was burnt out. And because I had to manage these difficult classes, I didn't even recognize who I was mm-hmm. in some of the times, and I was very, very unhappy. Mm-hmm. I needed a change. And I decided that um, I have to change. Mm-hmm. So one of the outlets was to come to America mm-hmm. and come to grad school and reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in a country where I was not a citizen of that country. And it wasn't my homeland. I was working there as an expatriate. I had no um, retirement to get no retirement funds, mm-hmm. no 401k, none of those things. Mm-hmm. And I was a contractual worker, and they could tell me at the end of my contract to leave, or I could decide not to return. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't it, it wasn't um, one of those sure jobs where you know you had a job, you know, you belong there, and so on. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that if I stayed, I would still have the job, because geography teachers are not very common. Mm-hmm. And I was good at what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided I'm going to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. So I applied to some schools, and before I even got an absolute sure word that I was going to be accepted in a school to start the grad program, mm-hmm. and the grad program, by the way, had very little to do with geography, because I vowed I will never be a teacher again. <laughs> so I decided I'm going to do city planning. I'm going to be a planner. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, it's you know, whatever, so... And before I even had anything set in concrete, where I was going and when I was going, I told the principal of the school where I worked that I was not renewing my contract. I was that fed up. Mm-hmm. And I decided, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me, but I will never teach again. Mm-hmm. And it was frightening. But I did get into a grad school at the University of Florida. In fact, I got into two schools. But this particular school, the University of Florida, said, sometimes we give our students financial assistance. Mm -hmm. And grad school education is expensive. So Mm -hmm. I came to the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. I left the job. And I came to Gainesville. I knew no one in Gainesville, Florida. Mm -hmm. And when I got to the school... So why did you choose Gainesville? Well, a former um, teacher of mine, whom I respect a whole lot, said... He knew of my plans, and he said there was a good program mm-hmm. in um, 
in Florida. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Oh, okay. okay. And I checked a few other schools too, but I, I, I looked at what they had on paper and it looked good. Okay. In fact, there were two schools that looked good, Florida State and the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I decided on the University of Florida because they said mm -hmm. sometimes students get financial help. And mm -hmm. Florida State said there was no way I'm going to get financial help. Gotcha. So, you know, yeah, it, it was yeah. a money thing. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I went there. When I remember the day... When I got to the university and I saw the campus, and it is beautiful, mm. and I was staying in a motel, I got to the campus and the reality of what I did hit me because I realized I'd have to pay so much money per year in fees, adding that to living expenses, and I did not have all the money. Mm. And I remember walking back to my motel crying because I was very despondent, and I knew I couldn't go back to the Caribbean. I had given up the job. Mm -hmm. And... In effect, I burned the bridges behind me, so I had no... But that doesn't seem like a smart thing right now. No, it so, doesn't. No, so, it doesn't. So, I'm, I'm eager to see the, the good side of this. <clears throat> in so, fact, I don't think it was, in theory, a smart move, mm -hmm. because I had no safety net. Mm -hmm. um, and so I danced on the wire without a safety net. So if I <laughs> fell, you, uh, I would have been hurt badly. Mm -hmm. and so I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And I had no other choice but to go back to the school mm -hmm. and to enroll in the classes and hope for a miracle. Mm. Well, we introduced ourselves and I stood and I said the truth. I said I was a teacher. I was burnt out. I was fed up and I came back to school because I wanted to start anew. Mm. And someone in the audience, a professor, heard what I said, and she realized I was a teacher. And amazingly, she had what is known as a graduate um, research assistant job, where um, if she employs me, my fees would be paid, nine of my credits would be paid, I would get a very small salary, and if I'm wise, I could live on it. Mm -hmm. And she approached me and said, the reason why I'm interested in you is because I'm doing a program that targets middle school students mm -hmm. in bicycle planning and bicycle traffic safety. <laughs> and it's a planning program I was involved in. And so she said, I may be able to use your expertise, but nothing is guaranteed. And she interviewed me. Mm -hmm. And um, I went home that day. And a few hours later, I saw an email that said I got the job. Mm -hmm. So that first semester, mm -hmm. I was covered. Mm -hmm. And... It doesn't mean that all was well because there was no guarantees. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she employed me, mm -hmm. and um, miraculously I kept getting employment from her, and then somebody else offered me another job within the department. And you must realize I was an international student. The option of working off campus was not available. That was illegal mm -hmm. for me to do at the time. But but it was legal for you to to, to work on campus. Oh, so, yes. so that okay. Gotcha. So I got I got a social security card, which is a, a document that allows me to work here with restrictions. And mm -hmm. the restrictions are I could only work on campus, or I could work as I do an internship, which is approved by the university. Mm -hmm. So I was very restricted, and so the salary was small, and so I always had this challenge of finding a way financially how to to get by. Mm -hmm. And so money was tight. Mm -hmm. But this is what I discovered. I discovered some amazing things about myself that I never knew existed. For instance, I learned 
that I was a people person. Mm. I didn't know that. Mm. I learned that people gravitated towards me. And because of some of the things I said and the approaches I used, they came to me for counsel and advice on numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, as the program went on, I graduated with my master's degree. Mm-hmm. I was still broke. I remember one Christmas I was so broke. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even buy my friends a Christmas card, and I was invited to my friends for Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. And I I got accepted into the PhD program in January mm. 2002. Mm. And that Christmas 2001, I was mm. so broke. Mm. But I started the PhD program, and I was still doing a research job. So I was getting some funding. Mm. And the research job, the money ran out. Mm. And at the end of May, I had no more money left. Mm. But I knew I was offered a teaching position to teach undergrad classes in January 2003. But between May 2002 and January 2003, I had no source of income. Hmm. And I needed somewhere to live. And I was told because I was an international student, I had to leave the country mm-hmm. because I wasn't enrolled for that for those two semesters, mm-hmm. the summer and the fall semester of 2002. Hmm. I remember sleeping on a friend's couch for about two weeks Mm-hmm. And they understood, and then I got help financially, and I went not back to my homeland. I went to the UK because I have a brother and sister living there, and I have some friends. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and it was it was it was a hard time because I had no money. And if you've ever been to London, you need money at least to be to buy a cup of coffee, and sometimes <laughs> they didn't have that. Right. And I remember walking the streets and I would do window shopping and make mental plans about all the wonderful things I will do when I get back on my feet again mm-hmm. financially. Mm-hmm. And I thank God because I, I, I kept my spirits up and I did a lot of reading, a lot of meditation. I prayed a lot. And I started back in 2003 as a student and I was asked to teach an undergrad class. And if you remember what I said earlier, I loathed teaching. I didn't want to teach anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't come back to university to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. I came to reinvent myself and do something totally different. Mm-hmm. But I had finished a master's in urban planning, and I didn't like that as a career. Mm-hmm. So I started a PhD in geography. I went back to what I liked. Mm-hmm. But I had no plans. But I know, I knew, even though I had no plans, I did not plan ever to teach. <laughs> I vowed I'll never do that. Mm-hmm. And remember, I couldn't go back to the Caribbean. And the other reason why, and I will tell you why, remember I was living in the British Virgin Islands. I left there, I left the job there. I couldn't go back there. Mm-hmm. And before that, but I would... But you say you couldn't go back, you mean you didn't want to go back? Well, I don't think they would have offered me a job because they already you. filled my position. Right, they wouldn't right, have offered yeah. me a job. Mm-hmm. And then before that, I was in Antigua. I was living there, I was a citizen there, I was a school teacher. I taught geography. Mm-hmm. But when I left that job, to go to the British Virgin Islands, mm-hmm. I was supposed to give them three months' notice. Mm-hmm. I did not do that. Oh, bad man. Right? <laughs> I gave them a few weeks' notice. And the rule is, in the teaching service, if you don't give three months' notice, you are terminated. Mm. So I got a letter from them telling me that I was terminated. But why didn't you give them this, the, the three months? I'll tell you why. Right. Because I was leaving in August of 1995, 
And I was told by a union member, if you give them three months' notice, they will not pay you during the summer vacation. Mm. They will be spiteful and they won't pay you. Mm. So you were trying to be spiteful back? No, I wanted to get my salary that was rightfully mine. Because <laughs> right. I was supposed to get paid for the entire year. Right. So in other words, I burnt that bridge too. <laughs> so I couldn't go back. This is something to go, but keep going. So... so <laughs> So I started to teach this undergrad class reluctantly, but I had no other choice mm. because I had no other source of income. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I could teach. I had a lot of experience. I had 17 and a half years teaching experience. Mm. So I went into the class, and the class had 161 people. Mm. And I began to teach. Well, we'll be right back to hear the continuation of this uh, story. You'll want to join us for the upcoming episodes of our journey. For example, we'll eavesdrop on a conversation between a father and a daughter. How about that? When last have you sat down with your son or your daughter? Or if you're a daughter or son with your mom and dad and just answer their questions? Ha! That's coming up in the next episode. And guess who will be in the new season with us? Yes, Andres Arusso, a young geophysicist. Some of you from back in the days of the Jaguar Pop Show would remember him. A young man with a really fascinating story. Uh, You guys know him back then as an artist. Now, he's a scientist. Actually, I've asked him to join me also on occasion on some of my speaking engagements. Or you can invite him directly, I promise you, you would love it. Andres Arusso will be with us coming up in the new season. And I'm trying to get uh, the Yulogs. Remember the singing guys, Christmas and Hanukkah? We enjoyed them last uh, Christmas. Uh, We're going to hear some more from them. I'm trying to get them on the show. Uh, Before the evening is out, I am going to tell you where you can find them. We're back with Dr. Yearwood. You were just getting to an intriguing portion of your story when I cut you. Could you uh, continue? Well, I stood in front of this class of 161 students, Mm -hmm. and I knew I was competent, but in my heart I didn't want to do it because... I didn't want to teach ever again, but I began to do it out of necessity because I needed the job. Mm. And so I taught it that semester, and I began to get more comfortable with each class, and I warmed to the idea of teaching this class. Well, let's fast forward. I taught that class about 14 times. Mm At the end, I had a class of 318. Students couldn't get in after a time because it became very popular. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, I taught four other classes Mm -hmm. in the university. I even got a prize as the best um, student teacher Mm -hmm. in one particular year. So you were a student teacher? Yes, yes, I I wasn't a lecturer. I I didn't have my PhD. I was doing it. Yeah, I got a I got a prize. They came and they assessed me. I was nominated and I was assessed by two professors and myself along with about 10 other students for that year. We received the 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 teaching prize of the year. We mm-hmm. got some money for it mm-hmm. and a nice plaque and some recognition. Mm-hmm. But 
the reason why the class, the class grew and the reason why I think I got the prize is because somewhere in that very first semester, that very first class, mm-hmm. the light came on. Mm-hmm. And I realized that this is what I wanted to do, not only because I liked it, but it suited my personality. Mm. I didn't know at the time, but then I discovered that I loved people. Mm-hmm. I loved interactions. I loved sharing the information. I loved um, talking about an, a topic that I love, which is geography. So, so help me here. So before you were teaching, I was teaching. You did not like being a teacher. No, I hated it. And now you are teaching. Yes. And you love being a teacher. And the reason why? Because it's a different level. Mm-hmm. In the high school, mm-hmm. there are two reasons why I didn't like teaching in the high school. Mm-hmm. A lot of the kids didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're immature, they're high school students. Mm-hmm. And the system, the education system, um, I think they lacked vision. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I found it was very stagnant. Mm-hmm. But in the college level, you are your own boss. Mm-hmm. And you could take it to a different level. And many of the students who are there is because they want to be there. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the discipline issues like mm-hmm. you would have in high school. Mm-hmm. And so you could focus on the content. Mm-hmm. And you could do the most incredible thing that you could possibly do, which is to teach people how to think about the way they think. Mm-hmm. And that is what I primarily do, I mm-hmm. hope to do every time I walk in a class, mm-hmm. is to teach my students to think about the way they've thought about most topics, even their own lives. Mm-hmm. And, and at, the, at the risk of, I don't want to take you off the frame mm-hmm. of thought, I'll bring you back on, but this is something that is close and dear to my heart as well. So what would you do differently in the light of the fact that uh, students in the school level mm-hmm. right, are the way they are, but yet we need them to be the learners, we need them to be the thinkers so that they can get into college. What would you do differently? If I had my way, I would fire almost all the ministry officials. (laughs) I did not expect that answer. I know, but I absolutely mean that. Right, good. Okay, go ahead. Because... There are issues and there are problems, but they never come and ask us, well, what do you think we should do? Mm. And that is so disappointing and it is so sad and so narrow-minded. But, of course, I can't do that, so let's be realistic. What I would do is do what I did, Mm -hmm. which is to be enthusiastic about my subject and your enthusiasm is contagious. The students catch on. Mm And I've, the reason why I say that, because now, many years after having taught those students in high school, mm-hmm. I get incredible feedback from them telling me that what I taught them was interesting, was incredible, that inspired them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I will do anything any differently. Mm-hmm. In fact, what I would do is work harder. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't do anything differently. Mm-hmm. Because instead of trying to change the minds of the ministry officials, which is almost very difficult to do, mm-hmm. What I found, if I could influence my students within the classroom and ignore the ministry officials, mm-hmm. I thought, I thought, I thought, you know, well, I think, sorry, that I, I made a great impact there, mm-hmm. and so I see it. Mm-hmm. I'm not absolutely sure how to prove it in every student's lives, but 
But many of the students with whom I interact now mm-hmm. tell me many years after that I helped them and I was very influential in their lives. Well, I broke, broke your friend of thought, so let's go back. Let's go back. Okay, so the question is, I, I, I found out exactly what I wanted to do mm-hmm. for the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not telling you that you should burn your bridges, but that is what I did. Was I terrified? Yes, I was. Did I take a terrible chance? Yes, I did. Was I lucky? Well, we can debate that, but if you want to look at it in that way, yes, I was lucky. Should you do it? You have to make that choice. But remember, I was very, very unhappy, and I had to make a choice because I am not sure where I would have been, and I'm not sure if my life would have continued the way it is, but I was terribly unhappy mm-hmm. and very unfulfilled. So I decided to take that chance, and I made the decision to burn my bridges because I did not want to be tempted to go back. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm glad I never had the temptation to go back because I had no other choice but to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm in a job that I love. I'm in a city, Washington, D.C., that's where I live, that I absolutely love. I love my challenges. And um, mind you, I wouldn't want to do this again mm-hmm. because this really was frightening. Mm-hmm. But the wisdom I've acquired over the years and the discoveries about myself that I have I've found because of the things that I did mm-hmm. and the things that I was led to do, um, I wouldn't exchange those for anything in the world because they're priceless. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let, me, let me ask two questions, though. Um, do you think it was because you burned your bridges that you were able to move forward or because you were determined... To make a change in your life? I think I was determined to make a change in my life. And that was the initial thrust. And that's but, what kept but, me going. But you think that if those, when the, when the going got rough, if you had those bridges still open, you might have run back? I may have been tempted very strongly to return. Mm-hmm. And, um, and who knows, I may have returned. Mm-hmm. Especially that particular time when I had no money and had no options. Mm-hmm. And um, who knows? And if I had returned, I would not be where I am today. Right. Well, the, the, the issues that you've brought up is so prevalent all around us that people find themselves in situations that are totally um, um, unhappy for them. They're making no progress, but they stick the road out. Um, uh, sometimes when people try to solve these problems, they get the encouragement to just hold on, to hold on tight, to hold on tight. At what point do you decide that that's a bad idea? How do you know the difference between holding on so that it will, you will find the good in the end from you will never find the good in the end, you need, need to move forward? Well, I think in answering that, You have to give yourself the greatest gift you can give yourself. And that gift is being honest with yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. I know of one person who is unhappy. Mm -hmm. He's in a situation that he knows he's unhappy, but he doesn't want to leave um, for whatever reason. And the longer he stays in it, the less chances he has of really doing something about it. Mm -hmm. He's getting older. 
he's getting more set in his ways. And in fact, I think he's just given up trying to make a change. And I don't blame him. I don't belittle him. I don't disrespect him. Because it's a challenging thing and it's hard. Because you're leaving the known, even though you're unhappy, for something that's not quite known. You're leaving the known for the unknown. I never, ever dreamt that I would be teaching at the University of Maryland with a Ph.D. when I left in August 1999, when I left everything behind with my dreams and my hopes and my heart not in the right place but my heart in my hand because I was so terrified. Mm -hmm. I never knew that I would be where I am. Mm -hmm. And so I had to leave. And the longer you hold on to the thing that is burning you Mm -hmm. is the less of a chance you have of making that change. And you have to decide if you should make that change or not. And you have to make some sacrifices. And some of them, you have to ask yourself the question, is it worth it? And only you can answer that. Well, I appreciate you sharing that uh, with us. And I hope that many will find it as inspiring as I do. And that if you have any... If you're unhappy where you are, this is the time to take a close look at it. And Dr. Yearwood is recommending you burn your bridges and move on. (laughs) We'll be right back to play a game. The standing question today is, are you the rat or are you... The alley cat. That's the standing question for today. Are you the rat? Or are you the alley cat? Other stops coming up on the journey include uh, seniors helping seniors. I have a couple of doctors on schedule. And the author's round table in January. I promise I will tell you where to find the U-Logs. Depending on when and where you're listening to us, you can always check out their schedule on www.ulogsmusic.com. If you're in Chico, California, you'll find them there tonight, the 9th of December at Woodstock's Pizza. That's on 166 East 2nd Street. Or on the 12th at Banshee. That's 134 West 2nd Street. On the 15th of this month, they will be at Chico School of Rock. That's at 932 West 8th Avenue. And on the 22nd, you'll find them at the Women's Club. What are they doing at the Women's Club? The admission at the Women's Club is $10.00. If you're listening to us on Block Talk Radio, then just click on the link and you'll get the information. If you're listening to us on the journey on Ryosports.com, and that is www.ryosports, R-Y-O-S-P-O-R-T-S.com, uh, just click on the journey or alternatively, www.ryosports.com slash thejourney.php. Just scroll down to the holiday section, and there you will find the U-logs. You can listen to them, 
share or buy their music. And you will find a number of our other guests and their shows right there. Those of you who are regular listeners to the show know this game. It is the SBL game, What the Sage Said. What the Sage Said can be found in It's a Sound Bite Life, the book that we're tracking that you can obtain from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. This is what the Sage Said. Everyone living long enough will slip and fall into a deep hole and look up for help. Three hands will appear, the hand of a hustler, the hand of a riddler, and the hand of a clown. Choose wisely, or you'll be buried there. So what would you do? I'll choose the hand of the hustler. Why? Because he may have a lot of wits about him, but you can probably beat him at his own game. (laughs) How do you tell us how you could beat him at his own? Because when I look at my own life, I have a lot of incredible experiences. Mm -hmm. And I am resourceful. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when your back is against the wall, as in this case, you're in the hole, mm-hmm. you never know how resourceful you can be, and you're forced to really come up with some some, some, some great ideas mm-hmm. of how to survive. Mm-hmm. And the hustler has gained his hustle <laughs> from experience as well, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean necessarily that he can out-hustle you. Ah. That's why I would choose a hustler. Good, good. Well, thank you very much. Once again, I'm glad that you joined us on the program. Thank you. And we hope to have you back again sometime soon. Okay, that will be a pleasure. Thank you. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Rat and the Alley Cat from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Just a click away and list and the cost of a cup of coffee. Enjoy. See you next week. <laughs>